When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a word of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth came, come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. This is the word of the Lord. reading is taken from Mark chapter 8 verses 27 to 38 and can be found on page 1012 in the church bibles. Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way he asked them, who do people say I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Peter answered, you are the Messiah. Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. Then he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, The Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. May I speak in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. 
Amen. The passage we just heard is preceded by the story of the blind man who went through the two-stage process of partial vision. He first of all saw people as trees to being fully able to see in Mark chapter 8, verse 22 to 26. Mark in this reading, in this reading seeks to take his readers from partial understanding to full understanding about who Jesus is. Jesus opening questions to his disciples, who do people say that I am? The response, John the Baptist, Elijah, or one of the prophets. The men associated with Jesus were fearless men of God in the Old Testament. These were men who spake up against the evil and injustice of their time, and men who brought hope to God's suffering people. Jesus, without a response to the names given, Jesus asked, but who do you say that I am? As his disciples, they too have to have their own personal conviction of who they saw Jesus as. This was a challenging question, most likely to the readers then, and maybe so for each one of us today. Who do you say that I am? Is Jesus the great teacher? Is he the superhero that comes and zaps away the problems of the world? Who do you say that I am? I draw us to Peter's proclamation, you are the Messiah. Whilst this was a divine revelation, the expectation of the time for the Jews in relation to the coming Messiah was sometimes a bit more political. He was the one that would come to save God's people from the oppressive ruling of the Romans. He was the one that would come and bring about God's justice. And it's interesting that this passage, Peter's proclamation, was made in the very region where the pagan, where the pagan temple was based in Caesarea Philippi that was de dedicated to the worship of the Roman emperor. So sometimes what we call people is often based on the expectation we place on them about what they will be and what they will do. And very often, the two do not reconcile. An understanding of who the Messiah is is so important to Jesus that he had to teach it plainly and clearly without room for any confusion. For Jesus, this was not the time for parables. Jesus would come and use the term son of man. This was a biblical messianic term that was, can be found in the Old Testament in the book of Daniel about what was to be done by the Messiah. The Messiah was going to suffer. He's going to be rejected. He's going to be killed. But in three days, he will rise again. The disciples didn't see any of that. They didn't hear he's going to rise again. Their focus was suffer, rejected, killed. I can imagine the eyes of the disciples opening wide. They are shocked. Confusion has set in. Their mind is rejecting this. This is not the expectation of what is to be happened to the Messiah. The Messiah is powerful. The true Messiah cannot be killed by the authorities. That makes him out to be a false Messiah. How can our Messiah be killed? How can he? 
surely. But this was a death to their hope, a death to their promise, a death to their expectation. Because when they looked at Jesus, they looked at somebody that was going to come and save them. And now you're telling me he's going to die? I'm a Marvel fan. I love, I don't know if anybody here is a Marvel fan. I love all the Avengers movies. And when I watched the End Games, I was shocked. I don't know whether you've seen it. I cried. I was confused. And why? Because Iron Man died. He was my superhero. How could Iron Man die? You know, I, don't, I, 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 I shed tears in the cinema. But yet, Iron Man did die. He gave up his life to stop the villain, Thanos, from destroying the universe. And I actually checked this. I went online checking. Why did Iron Man die? Couldn't they save him any other way? And if I had the means, I would have contacted the writers privately, and I too would have rebuked them. <laughs> what do you mean, killing Iron Man? So my response to the Endgame writers, maybe it's not so different from that of Peter. Because the very person in which I hoped in to save the universe in the Avengers, you've killed him. But he had to be killed to save the universe. Jesus' rejection, suffering, and death can only be seen and received from divine perspective. The Son of Man must have all these things happen to him, for only through that will the kingdom of God come. From partial understanding to full understanding, Jesus doesn't leave us in uncertainty. His mission is greater than simply conquering the Roman Empire. His mission is greater. It is to destroy the work of Satan, sin, and death. This is the Messiah that we have, and this is the Messiah that we follow. Peter is challenged to seize from looking at things from an earthly perspective, but to see the divine. A challenge and encouragement that would have been felt by the readers of the early church, and one that we are also invited to see. As we look around at the world today, to have the eyes of faith, to think and live from God's perspective, for through that we begin to seek and call for God's kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. It is so easy to see what is happening in the world, to see the death, the rejection, the suffering, but we fail to see the resurrection that God is in control. Mark in this passion, in this passage, leads us to the cost of what it is to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. A talk that is so important that he had to call the crowd in. They too had to listen. They too had to have the full picture and understanding of what it is to follow Jesus. Don't have any preconceived ideas about who you think I am. You see me doing all these miracles. You see me feeding. You see me healing the sick. You see me raising the dead. 
Don't have any preconceived ideas about who I am. I want you to hear properly about who I really am. Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. Know what you're getting yourself into because the life of following Jesus is a sacrificial life. In reading from this passage, I actually looked into what it means to enter into the army. I found that day two, they list the costs and risk for all potential applicants. Be aware of the likelihood of what would happen when you join the army. You're going to be injured, permanently maimed, or killed in the line of duty. Recent news have revealed the cost of what many soldiers that went to Afghanistan have sacrificed in their service for justice and for peace. So Jesus, in no uncertain terms, he lets us know what it is to be his follower. It is to be a surrendered life where my self-preservation is not the agenda. Not my will, but yours will be done, O Lord. Following Christ is not easy. And Jesus never said it would be. But it is worth it. It is the only way that assures us of life with him on earth through the person of the Holy Spirit, who is our help. And we also have the promise of eternal life with Jesus. So with Jesus, it is a win-win situation. Win on earth and win in heaven. But it is not an easy one. So we are each invited to deny ourselves. Take up our cross. My cross is different from your cross. But let's journey together in the way of Christ. On earth, resolute in our stance as Christian soldiers, fully aware of the cost and knowing that the sacrificial life with Jesus is worth it for the eternal glory that awaits each one of us as followers of Jesus Christ. So I end with this. The road will not always be easy. Let's be clear about that, as Jesus was. But he is with us. And that is the promise of the resurrected Messiah that we have. So we go back to that question. Who do you say that I am? I'll close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we bless you and thank you. We ask that you will give us a vision and full understanding of who you are. Help us to receive the truth of your life that was that you suffered, rejected, died, but you rose again. This is our Messiah. Help us to take up our cross daily and help us to help one another in our journey on earth. We bless you and thank you for the eternal promise that awaits us through your holy name. Amen. <laughs>